This morning, I want to talk about what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. Our text this morning is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. The scene in Acts chapter 2 is the festival of Pentecost. Jews from all over the known world would make pilgrimage on the festival day of Pentecost. Pentecost was celebrated 50 days after Passover. Passover was the Jewish festival celebrating the exodus from Egypt into freedom, from bondage out of slavery into the wilderness. And 50 days after the celebration of Passover, they would celebrate Pentecost because they believe it was 50 days later that God would descend upon Mount Sinai as a glory cloud and give the people of God the Ten Commandments. So every year they would make festival and pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate God coming down as a glory cloud. And God chooses this festival, of all the other festivals, chooses this festival in particular to pour out his Holy Spirit upon the people of God. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 13 When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished saying, are not all those who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all of them were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine and the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. What in the world happened? Have you ever had that reaction? You go through life and something happens to the point where you go, how in the world did I get here? How in the world did this happen? A messianic messianic figure has been crucified and executed. And Jesus has left behind handfuls of followers known as the disciples, just ordinary men from Galilee with no authority and no power and no voice attempting to be silenced and canceled by the Roman Empire. And all of a sudden, they lead a movement unlike this world has ever seen. And it leaves us saying, what in the world happened? How could God take handfuls of followers like these men of Galilee and lead them to lead a movement unlike this world has ever seen. 
I'll tell you what happened. The Holy Spirit happened. And what we see here in Acts chapter 2 is nothing short of a miracle of how God can take ordinary men and women like you and me and turn this world upside down. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes? Well, the first thing that we see here in the passage in Acts chapter 2 is that when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit brings power. In verse 2, Luke, as he's writing Acts, says the only way I can describe it in verse 2 is that it's like a mighty rushing wind. The Greek, the original text says it was like a violent storm. Luke has no other way to describe it. When the Holy Spirit came, it came not with a whimper, but as a powerful force, a mighty rushing wind. And what is the first thing the Holy Spirit enables them to do? It gives them the power to speak in tongues, in languages that they had not learned but foreign languages. And what begins to happen is phenomenal. All people from the known world had descended upon Jerusalem and they begin hearing. They begin hearing their native language. And they say, these are just ordinary Galileans. How in the world would they speak like this? And there's only one explanation. When the spirit of the living God comes, it enables us to do extraordinary things power like a mighty rushing wind. Men and women who were at one point self-absorbed with their own glory, fearful for their lives, consumed with preserving their lives, are now boldly, it says in verse 11, declaring the mighty works of God. Men and women at one point consumed with their own glory, now absorbed with the glory of the living God. You know, week after week, I hear people say, I am being changed. I am being transformed. I don't know what's happening. I'll tell you what's happening. You are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you experience the power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ, your life is colliding with a force that you have never collided with before. When I played football at Westminster Academy, the first few days of practice were simply in a t-shirt, shorts, and cleats. No helmet, no pads. And let me tell you something, guys were flying around the ball. They were catching passes, running routes. We affectionately called them t-shirt All-Americans. But something happened. Day three and four, the helmets and the shoulder pads came on. And one by one, guys began to quit the football team. You see, they loved the idea of being a football player. Loved the idea of getting a jersey, cheerleaders, the crowds. They loved the concept of being a football player. But when it came time to actually play football and to collide, they didn't so much like the real thing. You see, Christianity... And on church on Sunday morning all across North America, there are a lot of people who gather and love the idea of the jersey. They sing the songs. They say the prayers. But when the Holy Spirit infuses them with power and actually calls us to go out of our comfort zone and actually make an impact for the kingdom of God, I see a lot of Christians shying back. You see, Christianity is a contact sport. And it calls us out of our comfort zone 
to make an impact for the kingdom of God. There are a lot of people in the North American church that like the concept of being a Christian, but when push comes to shove, shy away from the calling that God has placed on our lives. You see, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we cannot help but to move. We cannot stay still. When the spirit of the living God comes upon us as it did the early church in Acts chapter two, it moves us towards the darkness and towards the brokenness of our world and of our culture. It is a contact sport unlike any other. It has power, power unlike anything this world could provide and offer. When the Holy Spirit comes, he brings power. Secondly, when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings healing. The Spirit brings healing to the world. Remember in Acts chapter two, this is the birthday of the early church. This is the birthday of the New Testament church. This is the first, technically the first worship service of the New Testament church here in Acts chapter two. And if they would have worshiped in Hebrew, what would they have been saying to the world? That the gospel is simply for the Jews. But something remarkable happens. And the disciples worship in tongues that are not native to them. They start to speak in, native, in foreign languages from people all across the known world. And what were they saying? They were saying that the gospel is not only for the Jews, but the gospel is for the nations. You see, what is happening here is the healing of the nations, the reconciliation of humanity. You see, ever since Genesis chapter 3, we have suffered from the curse. Not only have we been separated from God, but we have been separated from each other and we have been paying the price ever since. We experience estrangement from one another and it is only through the gospel of Jesus Christ that men and women that were once at odds are now made one. We see the healing of the nations. We see the fulfillment of what Jesus talked about in the Great Commission, that this gospel would go out beyond Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and go to the very ends of the earth. We begin to see the fulfillment of what Jesus promises we see a glimpse of what is coming in Revelation that one day we will worship before the Lamb of God and that worship will be made up of every people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. It is the healing and the reconciliation of the nations that we see here in Pentecost and only the gospel of Jesus Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit can bring, bring about reconciliation and healing between humanity. Listen to me, there are a lot of people out in our culture and even unfortunately in the church that are trying to convince us that humanity is reconciled with one another through man-made ideologies and ideas like critical race theory. You are being told that in order to reconcile humanity, we need to rewrite history or even erase history. And 2,000 years ago, we were given the truth that the only way humanity can be reconciled to one another is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I plead with you, do not buy the lie that we were given the only way in which humanity can be reconciled, the only way in which the nations can be healed, the only way by which people that were once enemies can be made whole. The church of Jesus Christ that day was made up of people of different cultures and ethnicities. 
And it wasn't by man-made ideas and ideologies, but through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church is made up of black, white, Hispanic, and Asian, one people of God, a new community, a new family, and the only way they're made one is the supernatural outpouring and movement of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity that transforms people that were once enemies into a beautiful new community. The Holy Spirit brings power. The Holy Spirit alone brings healing. And lastly, the Holy Spirit brings intimacy. The Holy Spirit alone has the power to bring a God that is far away, near to us. Not only have we been separated from each other, but because of sin, we have been separated from God. And from the garden, we have been running and hiding, we're told. Adam and Eve were running and hiding from God because of their sin. The God who has created us to experience intimacy with him, we have been running from, from the very beginning. And remember what Pentecost was celebrating. Pentecost was celebrating the story of God coming down as a glory cloud on Mount Sinai, bringing life to the people of God. And just as in creation, the world is empty and formless and void and the spirit of the living God moves upon the void of the water and brings life into the world, the spirit of the living God is once again coming down at the festival of Pentecost and breathing life into the lungs of the early church and giving them life and leading them to start a movement unlike this world has ever seen. A brand new movement of the people of God, bringing the transcendent God near and making intimacy that was once impossible because of sin, possible yet again. It is at Pentecost that we see the good news of Christianity Because every world religion without exception says this, God is on top of the mountain and we are at the bottom. And we must, by our own power and strength, climb and crawl our way to the top. But Christianity alone as a worldview says, God is on top of the mountain and he descends down to the bottom and lifts us up. Our God is not hidden as modern spirituality teaches our culture. Our God is not hidden and we have to go out and find him. In fact, the opposite is told through Christianity that we are running and hiding in our shame and in our guilt and it is the God who relentlessly pursues us until we are found and brought home. This is the good news of Christianity and the good news of Pentecost and only in the gospel do you find this good news And I want to ask you this morning, for those that are gathered and those that are watching at home, are you running? Are you hiding? Are you trying to pursue by your own effort and by your own strength the God who is there, but for you cannot be found? The good news this morning is that Pentecost declares to you that it is the end of climbing, it is the end of running and pursuing, It's the end of striving by your own power and by your own righteousness to no avail and allow the God who comes down off the mountain to pursue you and wrestle you to the ground to bring you home and experience the gift of eternal life and the hope of heaven both now and forever. In 2010, an earthquake ravaged the country of Haiti 
A little girl, only five years old, was trapped underneath her house. And underneath the rubble, the father begins to search for his little girl. And all he can hear is the little girl crying out for help. Day one passes, and day two passes, and day three passes. He can hear the voice of his daughter, but can't find her. Finally, day four rolls around. And no longer can he hear the voice of his little girl. Day five, and the same thing. Day six finally rolls around, and finally a crew is able to help this father. And the father says, well, at least I can recover the body of my daughter. And as the, bo- the father and the crew begins to take off piece by piece the rubble of this house, he hears the voice of his daughter once again cry out, Daddy, be careful. I'm still under here. She was finally brought to her rescue. And what I love about that story is that girl could no more rescue herself than you could rescue yourself. You see, the Bible tells us that each one of us are underneath the house of our shame and of our sin and of our guilt. And we will do everything to try to crawl our way out, but to no avail. And it is the Holy Spirit coming down that says you can't and you won't crawl out from under the rubble of your sin and of your shame. But it is the Holy Spirit coming down that breaks you free from the burden of your sin, from the pile that is on top of you and allows you to emerge from underneath the rubble of the house of your sin as a brand new child of God in all of its freedom. The Holy Spirit says it's not your job to get the house off of you. That's my job. And for anyone here this morning, that has not come to that place where they recognize the power of the Holy Spirit bringing the blessings and the benefits of the good news of Jesus Christ to you, would you surrender today and come out from under the house, not by your righteousness, but according to the righteousness and power of Jesus Christ working through the Spirit of the living God? And discover maybe for the first time this morning that you have a dad that will not quit until you come home. That you have a dad that will pursue you to the ends of the earth and says, child, come home. You were lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. This is the gift that is extended to you through Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, rescued from eternity, separated from God, experiencing the judgment and damnation of hell. Who would not run to Jesus and lay at his feet and say, yes, Lord, I believe Change me, Spirit of the living God, would you fall afresh this day upon me.